Yeah, Curtis was asking for an interesting fact, and I was like, man, I grew up in Eupora, Mississippi. We, that's about as interesting as all I got, all right? So uh, we, this morning, you've got a handout that's on the, the table in front of you. Um, feel free to use that as we're walking through um, something that I'm passionate about, and I'm only passionate about it because um, it, it came at a time in my life uh, when I was uh, spiritually dry. So uh, praying has been always something that I've struggled with. I don't know if it's just my nature of being distracted easily by other things or just not being taught like what prayer really looks like. And so uh, when I was going through seminary a couple of years ago, um, it's crazy to me that if you talk to anyone that's going through seminary, it's typically one of the driest times of their spiritual life that you're so engrossed in academia and like your head is trying to get filled with all this knowledge, you forget that your heart has a large part to play in it and your connection with Jesus really suffers during that time. And so... Um, there was a class that I took uh, that was about the spiritual disciplines, and along with that, there's a book that we read uh, called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Um, what you have in front of you is the Cliff Notes version of the book that's already 90 pages long. It's not like it's long, so this is even the shorter version of it. Um, but my hope is this morning... That's an encouragement to you. It's a tool that you can use uh, to increase your conversations with God through prayer. Um, so first, I want to begin, if you've got a Bible or if you use your phone, whatever you want to do there, uh, if you'll look in Romans chapter 8 really quickly. Um, in Romans chapter 8, there's some infamous verses there that have caused a lot of controversy within theological circles. Um, but... Um, there's a, a verse there that gives us a clue about what is the goal of Christianity. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for some crowd participation. Um, he said it wasn't Rotary Club, so I feel like I can do that here. Um, so what is the goal of Christianity? Don't overthink it. Sunday school answers are totally appropriate at this time. So what is the goal of Christianity? To say what? Glorify God. Yep, it's a good answer. What else? Be more like Jesus. Yep. What else? Anything else that you would add in there? Glorify God. Be like Jesus. All right. Let's look at what Paul says. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in 28. We'll read 20, 28 and 29. And he says, And we know that those who love God... All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So according to verse 29, the first part of that, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. So regardless of how you want to argue about the beginning of that, the point of it, that Paul is trying to get across is that regardless of what we go through in our lives, the goal of following after Jesus is to be conformed into his image. That conformity to his image can come through three different avenues. Donald Whitney lifts up in his book. I think we would all agree with these that we see within our own lives. Like one of those is God uses others to change us. 
So people that you spend time with will help conform you into the image of God. All of us in here have someone in our life that we would say they changed our perspective on who Jesus was because we spent time with them. Or there was the person that brought you to salvation through Christ. So we would look back and say that person is a person that conformed to the image of God. The second thing that Whitney would lift up, he said God uses circumstances to change us. This is a big one that Paul actually lifts up in Romans that he's talking about. When we think about conformity to something, sometimes conformity is not easy. And so there are difficult times that the Lord uses in our lives. There are good times that the Lord uses in our lives. And what he is doing in the, in the, in the bright moments of our life and in the dark moments of our life, he is conforming us both in those moments to the image of Jesus. The third way that he conforms us that Whitney lifts up is through spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Now, these are things, practices that the church has used for a very long time to be able to, to conform to the image of Jesus. This is Whitney's definition of uh, spiritual disciplines. Uh, I think it's on the handout. I'm not real sure if it's not, if it's there or not. But this is what he says. He says, spiritual disciplines are those personal and interpersonal activities given by God in the Bible as sufficient means for believers in Christ Jesus to use spirit-filled, gospel-driven pursuit of godliness, that is closeness to Christ and conformity to Christ. Now, I expect you to fully know that definition, okay, now that I've read it out loud one time. So I'm going to summarize it. If we break that down a little bit further, spiritual disciplines are intentional acts that you can do that place you in strategic position to encounter the transforming power of God. These are strategic acts that you can do to place yourself in a strategic position to encounter the transforming power of God. So with throughout Scripture, we see different ways, different acts, if you will, to place yourself in the current of what God is doing within the world. So one of those things that we see is Bible intake, reading Scripture, meditating on Scripture, memorizing Scripture. We also see uh, silence and solitude. Jesus was infamous for this. At the moment where things would either, he was uh, like showing great amount of energy through, his, uh, through what he was teaching and what he was doing. Before that, he would withdraw. Or with, after that, he would withdraw. So there's this principle of silence and solitude that we see within Scripture as a spiritual discipline. We see fasting, stewardship, evangelism. All of those things are things that we can do, acts that we can do that place us in a position to encounter God. So if we look this morning, if we're just going to take one out, the one that, that really I've struggled with my entire life, and then I would be willing to bet that, in, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd be willing to bet that if we put it before you in an anonymous poll and said, hey, rate your, your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10, that there are a lot of us in this room that we would rate it very low for a variety of reasons. Maybe you've just never been taught. Maybe you're going like, I just, I don't know what that looks like. If you're like me, you get super distracted. And so you've tried different ways, but it's never really seemed uh, to work. And so um, the, the thing that Whitney lifted up that really um, brought weight off of my shoulders, because uh, again, my whole life I was going, I'd tried different things. I remember in college, I'd be in my dorm room uh, at, I went to Blue Mountain College. And so I would be there and I, the only way I could stay focused is if I prayed out loud. 
So that way I could kind of drown out the noise that was in the hallway. That was until I began to notice that I would memorize the sound of the shuffle of people's feet based on how they went to the bathroom that morning. So if I heard people shuffling their feet, I'd be like, oh, that's Brian Jones. He's going to get ready this morning. Or I'd be like, oh, that's Andrew. Andrew's up. Like, and I begin to go, like, why is my brain struggling to stay focused on what I'm supposed to be doing at, at, at the moment? And so this is always something I've struggled with. And then Whitney, in his book, he said this, and it, it completely alleviated what I felt this pressure on me. He says, the problem isn't necessary with us, but the problem is with our method. He's like, it's not the problem is with you. He was like, necessarily he said the problem more so is with our method that we get trapped into saying the same old things the same old way. He's like, we get trapped into saying the same old things the same old way. And I thought, how true is that? Like, how many times do we become the uncle at Thanksgiving dinner that says the exact same prayer every single year at Thanksgiving at dinner? We get ready, and we're like, we're going to pray, and we're like, dear Lord, thank you so much for this food. And we're like, going to bed, that's not appropriate right now. Lord, please be with us tomorrow. As, and then we go into this rote prayer that we've said our entire lives, and we're going, I don't, I don't understand why my prayer life isn't the way it should be. Well, it's not necessarily with us. It's with the method that we use. And so if we think about when it comes to prayer, if we apply it to the way we, we learn, all of us in here learn in different ways, Right? There are some of you in here that you are visual learners. You need to see it. Some of you are going, I need to see it. I need to be able to hold it, to touch it, to be able to understand what's going on. There's some of you in here, your brains are incredible, and you can memorize things in the sense of you can just repeat it to yourself, and it's forever there. And so every single one of us in here, we have different learning styles. When you were in school, there were moments where the teacher was teaching in a particular way, and you're going, I don't understand this. And you begin to question, like, is something wrong with me? Like, am I not smart enough to understand this concept? When reality was, you just learned in a different way than the person that was sitting to your right or sitting to your left. Well, when it comes to prayer, when we think about prayer, it's not that we are necessarily the issue. It's the fact that we've not discovered a method that works for us. And so what this is before you is a method that will hopefully allow you to um, open up the world of prayer to you in a way that maybe has never happened before. And so the, the answer, the simple answer to the, the problem of the method is that you pray through a passage of Scripture. That you pray through a passage of Scripture. And so when it comes... Uh, what I mean by that is you, you take a passage of Scripture and you pray through it line by line. So we're going to do this morning is extremely practical in this sense. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to Psalms. If you have a phone, use a Bible app or even Google a Psalm. So we'll just go to a very infamous Psalm. I want you to go to Psalm 23. Um, one that we're all fam most likely familiar with, that we've probably heard in some context or another. And so Psalm 23. And I want to show you how Whitney presents for this to work and how I've seen it in my own life work. Is that as you read through the verse, whatever pops into your brain based on what you read, you pray for. So as I read through Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. There's a 
couple of weeks ago, Lindsay lifted up, when she was preaching in Hernando, she lifted up this viral image that was going of Jesus running after this one lost sheep. So in my head, when I first hear shepherd, that image pops into my head. That can either lead me in a place of going, Lord, I was the lost sheep that you ran after. Like, I have wandered from you before, and you've come and you've rescued me, so thank you for that in the moment of prayer. Or it allows for me as a pastor over uh, a congregation, uh, a part of the Get Well family, to pray for the sheep that are in our church um, and to lift them up, which then may lead a, a particular individual that I've looked at on a Sunday morning and say, hey, let, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you as the week goes on. And as the week goes on, you know how life gets. And then you forget the next Sunday when you see them and you stare at their face and you're going, I didn't lift them up to the Lord like I was supposed to. And so it allows your brain, whatever you're thinking in that moment, to be able to pray over that. It says, I shall not want, as Curtis lifted up, if I had my choice of the way my life would go, I would buy shoes a lot. Just whatever, like you, some of you men collect golf clubs as if you hit them all of the same, at the same time, right? Mine is shoes. So I have to go like, Lord, like, let me practice contentment. You know my want for things, or you know my want for that, or for this. Like, practice contentment in this moment. Like, would you remind me that I have everything I need in you? Again, like, that's not something that I would normally pray for, because I may pray about the same old thing the same old way. Or as I go through it, and he says he makes me lie down in green pastures. Lie down. I think about my wife right now that is having a really hard time of going to sleep. And so lifting her up for healing to the Lord. Think of green pastures. I have a friend of mine. His name's Frank. Frank is, uh, has a doctorate in weeds. It's way more complicated than that, but that's what I like to tell him he has doctorates in. And I all the time will tell Frank I will pray for him, but I forget. Like I said earlier, when I read pastures, the first person that pops into my head is Frank. And to thank him for his friendship and what he means for me and my boys and our family and to lift him up in prayer. And so what you're doing is you're allowing Scripture to be able to prompt your memory, your brain, to be able to think about things that you should pray over. So this verse becomes a prompt for your prayer life. Whitney said this, he said, basically what you're doing is you're taking the words that originated in the heart and the mind of God, Scripture, and you're circulating them through your heart and your mind back to God. I love that. I love that idea that we're taking what God has given us as his word and we're repeating it back to him. This is why he lifts up, and I, I've experienced in my own life, Psalms is the best book to pray through as you're going to pray through Scripture. Because what Psalms were created to do, they were inspired, they were inspired by God through the Holy Spirit, written uh, by these human authors, and they're songs, poems, uh, laments, words that are written to be able to be spoken back to him. That's, that's the purpose of the Psalms. And so what we're doing is we're allowing Scripture to prompt our hearts and our minds to think of things that we need to pray over. Now let me also say this. This is not a way of interpreting Scripture, okay, to be walking through Scripture and be like, oh, this is what this means. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to prompt our minds and our hearts using God's Word to be able to pray over things. So the reason Psalms is such a good book is because at its foundation, this is what it was designed to do. The other reason Psalms is a good book is because it lays out perfectly in being able to use different ones. So the way this process would work 
is you would look at today's date, whatever that date is, and you would go to that psalm. So today is the 28th, and so if you were to wake up and you wanted to pray through a psalm, you would turn to Psalm 28. And what you begin to do is you begin to read a few words. If there's something in there that catches your attention, that prompts your heart or your mind to begin praying, then stay there. Begin to pray through that psalm. But there may be, for example, that you've had a, a great week, like everything seems to be flowing really smoothly, and you open up to a psalm that begins to talk about, Lord, would you uh, protect me from my enemies? Or, Lord, would you do this? And you're going like, that doesn't really resonate with where I am. Then the great thing about the psalms is then you add 30 to it. So you're, if you're at day 28 and you're going, I'm reading this, nothing really connects, add 30 to that number, you get to 58, you turn to 58, and you do the same thing. If there's nothing there resonating in 58, you got 88. Go to 88. See if there's anything that's going to resonate in 88. If there's nothing in 88, you go to, what is the next one? 118? Am I math and right? Is that right? Okay, I was going to say, i got to help me out. Uh, so go to 118. If there's nothing in 118, then you add 30 again. You go to 148, and you pray through that one. And then, like, between those options, I guarantee you there will be something that you read that you're going, okay, that connects with where my soul is right at the moment. And let me pray through it. So you can do that for every day. If you get to a month that has 31 days, you go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is very long, so you can pray through a portion of it, or you can pray through the whole thing if you wanted to, but it allows for you to take the date corresponding to the chapter, but then you can add 30 to be able to give you different opportunities to be able to read through Scripture. And so this gives you multiple places to be able to go and to be able to, to, to bounce off ideas. The incredible thing that I have found with this is it's, you're able to use this at a variety of times. There are mornings that you wake up, you're going, i got to get out the door. I know I need to spend time with the Lord. You can spend three minutes praying through a psalm, and I promise you, you're going to go like, that was such a rich time of spending talking to Jesus in three minutes than it would be if you're running out the door and thinking of something. So it would take three minutes. There are other times where I've seen this practice with students. I've seen this practice with college kids. I've seen this practice with myself as far as uh, um, I always... I struggled, let me put it that way, to believe people when they would be like, I spent 30 minutes in prayer this morning. I'd be like, doing what? <laughs> like, wh what were you doing for 30 minutes? Like, I don't understand how that is possible. There have been moments in which you begin to read through Scripture, allowing this to happen, and it seems like every word is something that you need to bring to the Lord. And before you know it, you've spent 30, word, 30 minutes praying to the Lord. And, like, that's not like a benchmark to, to put a pin on your shirt and be like, ah, oh, you've reached a level of holiness now. Like, that's not it at all. But it's just going like, when was the last time we sat for 30 minutes and talked with Jesus? Like, you can sit at a dinner and you're going, oh, my gosh, time flew. Hour, hour and a half, like, went by so fast. But when was the last time I sat down with the Lord and I said, like, in conversation with him? Then I went, man, that time went by really quickly. And this is, this is something that allows that to be able to take place. So I know uh, there's a, a few other things outside of the Psalms that you can use to pray through Scripture. Uh, sometimes they're listed on the handout. There's some specific prayers that are lifted up in Scripture that you can actually use to pray verbatim 
if you wanted to, to say, like, Lord, here are some words that, like, that I, I want to pray to you that you can use to pray to the Lord. So there's other ways that you can use Scripture to prompt your prayer life. There are other times that you can pray through um, a New Testament letter. And so if you, for example, were to, to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, and then what you could do is do the same thing. What are some words that prompt you to pray over specific things, or what is a meaning of the passage that prompts you to pray over something? As you're reading that passage in Peter where he talks about the building of the church, it may prompt you to pray over this church, to pray over the global church. It may prompt you to be able to do that because of the meaning of the passage. Or you can also pray through Jesus' teachings or one of the narratives that we see within the Gospels. Typically, if you're going to do that, I would encourage you to say that you're going to pray over the main idea of the passage. Uh, whatever Jesus is teaching there, like that is going to be able to prompt you to be able to pray over what it is at that moment. So if you turn to Matthew chapter 25 and you looked at the parable of the talents, it may lead you to go like, okay, Lord, where have you gifted me and how am I using those giftings within the church? How am I, how am I, how am I using that to bring your kingdom here on this earth as it is in heaven? What am I doing there? So it could prompt you to, to be able to do that. But there's two Two reasons that, or one particular reason, let me just say it that way, that I would lift up that on why you need to do this. And it's because praying through Scripture allows your prayers to become more biblical. It allows them to become more biblical. Whitney said this, he said, The Spirit of God will use the Word of God to help the people of God pray increasingly accordingly to the will of God. So in Hernando, we've adopted this saying, we've shortened it to say it is the Spirit of God working with the Word of God that has the ability to transform us into the image of Jesus. Those are the things that, that bring us into the image of Jesus. It is spending time in close proximity to Him. It is talking with Him. It is studying His Word that is alive and working and, and able to pierce joint and marrow to the deepest parts of our soul that can form us into the image of Jesus. And so if, if these things are true, it's the Spirit of God and the Word of God working to conform us into the image of Jesus, then we have to look at prayer as something that we, is necessary for our life with Jesus. It's not just something that we will get to when we go to church and someone else prays and we will join them in, in that particular moment. This becomes the lifeblood of who we are. So if, if you are here this morning, you're going, man, my, my, my relationship with Jesus is, is, feels very dry. It's very arid like the desert right now. There is no life. There seems to be no uh, water that is flowing and nourishing my soul right now. Let me encourage you, spend time in prayer to the Lord. And now, like with this process, we, none of us, including myself, can ever say we don't know what to pray for or how to pray. Because it's right before us in the very Word of God where we use His words to prompt our hearts to bring ourselves before Him and say, Here are my, here are my, here's my heart, here's my concerns, here's my thoughts. Would you conform me into the image of your Son? So I typically don't do this, but if there are any clarifying questions that I could answer this morning about this practice or any blanks that I missed, because I'm pretty good at missing those.
The only reason I ask that is because I, I truly believe like this was revolutionary for me. And so I think it has the ability to be revolutionary for you. And so I want you to know and to be equipped with everything that I could possibly equip you in in 20 minutes uh, to be able to do this. So feel free afterwards if you, you got questions or anything like that to be able to do that. Um, but as we close out really quickly, I want to use Psalm 28 as a way to pray over you this morning. And so um, if you will um, bow your heads, I just want to pray over you this morning. Uh, Lord, you are our rock, um, and you are the one that is the sure foundation in which our salvation never wavers. Our lives, we can found it on that rock, and our lives know that there's on a steady foundation that we can trust. Just right after that phrase, Father, you say, be not deaf to me. <laughs> would, you, would you hear us? That as the men of this room, as they cry out to you in three minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it may be, would you listen to what uh, these men have to say? Would you uh, let them know that you are there uh, in the midst of the dark times? That when our life feels like uh, they are in the pit, that it is there that your voice is even heard, that you are the God of the mountaintop, you are the God of the valley. And so you are there with them in the midst of that. That, Father, there are those in this room that um, no one else knows their cries to you for help. Whether that be through a sin that they just can't seem to shake. And they want to, but they just can't seem to shake that sin. That they're crying out for you and help. There's some of us in here, Father, that we have physical pain or physical ailments that just does not seem to let up. And we're crying out to you that you would relieve us of those things, of both of those things of bondage. Because we truly believe that you're a God who is that is, that is powerful enough uh, to do that. Father, as we think about just the state of our world. I know it's really hard for us in here to not bemoan where we are and to worry about what the future may hold. But as we think about um, the evil that seems to be rampant, rampant within the world and we're constantly inundated with what's going wrong or what needs to be fixed, we forget that you overcame evil. The moment you stepped out of the tomb, that all of uh, Satan's powers and his abilities were stripped of him, that his greatest weapon had been thrown to the side and broken. And so would you remind us of that when we feel like evil is overtaking the world? Would you remind us that you said your kingdom would come and your kingdom would be doing its will on earth as it is in heaven and that there's nothing that can stop your church from going forward, your called out people from going forward? Father, as we think about the men in this room, that they work with their hands. That every single day is a reminder that our bodies are not as good as they were yesterday. And that the work that we do is a little bit more difficult because of it. Would you strengthen their hands? Would you strengthen their backs and their arms? Would you strengthen our, our mental uh, sharpness, not so that people can look at us and say, look what incredible workers, incredible men that they are, but they can look and say, how do you continue to do what you're doing? And we can point to the one that gives us strength when we have no strength. Father, would you allow us in the moments of the day 
where we experience just a glimpse of your glory, whether that be through the harvest moon or whether that be through conversations that we have with one another around a good breakfast or the fact that we get to enjoy a good breakfast. Would you just allow that to prompt our hearts to bring praises to you and to be able to celebrate who you are and what you've given us through your goodness? Father, for, for those of us in this room that our heart is trusted in something outside of you, would you call us to a moment of repentance? Would you reveal to us in this moment that we may be looking to something else to give us worth or purpose within this world that is not you? And then would you welcome us back home as the shepherd that you are, because you know what's best for us. Father, in that moment when we turn back to you, that our heart will exalt, that we will sing a song of giving thanks to you because we know that your arms are there waiting to bring us back in. Father, as these men head out, would you protect them? Would you be the refuge of the anointed? Would you protect them as they drive to their work? Would you protect them as they're at their jobs? Would you protect them as they're spending time with their friends or with their family? Would you allow them to know your goodness through your provision that comes just through your protection alone? And when they lay their heads down on their pillows tonight, won't you remind them that they were able to get through today because you were there? So, Father, as the psalmist would close out in verse 9, would you be their shepherd and would you carry them forever? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.